Hey guys, this is Tom O'Pennekick, and you're listening to the Galactica Quorum. It's a fracking podcast. There were sets we were going in and pulling stuff off the walls. Let's put it here. No, let's do let's it here. Let's put it in the wrong order. And to that, I say, duh. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode number 57. I'm Brian, and joining me today is... Michelle. Jason. <laughs> we are a podcast, a fracking podcast about Battlestar Galactica. We have a website that's galacticaquorum.com, and an email for you to reach us at. That's gquorum at gmail.com. That's spelled G-Q-U-O-R-U-M. And there's a voicemail, 206-350-6756. Don't forget the Twitter. That's right. We also have a Twitter account that you can follow our every move. Our Twitter name is Galactica Quorum. And we also have our own individual Twitter accounts as well. But, but you have to search for you us. You have to, yeah. Not if like it'll real. be that hard to find us. I do? <laughs> no. Brian and I do. <laughs> okay. It's Dimitri, actually. Well, we also have a Facebook page. And on our website, we have forums Things have been a little bit quiet lately because of the off-season, but we have a lot of uh, anticipation of the upcoming season. In this episode, we have an interview with Alec Peters from PropWorks. We talk to him about the upcoming Battlestar Galactica auction that's going to happen next month. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but first let's get to some news. And I'll get to that news right now. The official word is that the final part of the Battlestar series will begin airing on January 16th. Also, coming up very soon, this week, in fact, as we will air this, the webisodes will air December 12th. They will bridge somewhat the gap between the end of season four and the beginning of four and a half or five, whatever we're going to call it. So do you have to watch the webisodes? I don't think so. I think this one is... They they pulled it off before. This one has Gaeta as one of the main characters. Gaeta. And... (laughs) No, I don't think you should say it. It's going to be a spoiler. I'm not going to say anything further about it. It's one of those things where I stumbled upon a spoiler and I didn't mean to. I think we all stumbled on it. It Oh, sort of like a headline, and it was Mm. like you can't unread a headline. So (laughs) it's a perfect way to describe that, too, isn't it? (laughs) We will be talking about those as they air, obviously, with our own little mini casts or full episodes. I'm not sure yet. Also. The standalone movie and DVD that was shot in August, directed by Edward James Olmos, that has an official title. They're calling it The Plan. Just by the title, it sounds like they're going to attempt to go back and rewrite history a bit to say, okay, this is why this happened. Oh, so the crap that they've screwed up on, they can make it work? Why are you being a hater? What? Am I being being a hater? hater? Yeah. Player hater? So it's going to be a whole episode of previously ons that have existed we just didn't see? Or a whole yes. DVD movie? See, as I've told Michelle, in the brief times that I've caught Clone Wars episodes now, trying to do prequels or like stuff that fills the gaps doesn't excite me. Because you can't create tension because I know where you have to end at a certain place. Like, the plan cannot have an issue where, oh my god, where if Edward James almost is in it, oh my god, well, Captain Adama die. Well, no. Yeah. He won't. So it's just hard to do that. And basically, you have to populate your entire thing, to make it believable, with red-shirted crewmen. Yeah. Those things don't work. That's why George Lucas should really do the Thrawn series, but... He won't. Why would he do that? Because it's not a prequel, and it's after... But everyone knows that story. 
Not everybody knows that story. Not everybody reads the extended universe. Yeah, but it's there for people to see. It's out there already. I want I want something new. I want something where I don't know the ending. I want characters where I know they're not if they're going to die or live or I want what's something happen past Luke and Leia and Han. Like maybe even including like Leia's children or whatever. I want a reimagining that happens after Empire Strikes Back. That's what I want. I want to rewrite Return of the Jedi and do it the way I would have done it, with not having the whole twin thing and then some of the other nonsense. Ewoks, But would you take the bikini out? Probably. I'd take it off. <laughs> you would take the bikini out of the story? Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a purist. I mean... But you know what? It is kind of unnecessary now that I think about it. It was just to see... Really, yeah. it was just in there to see her in it. Yeah. It really had no impact on the story. And to that, I say, duh! <laughs> Speaking of things that I just really have no interest in watching, Caprica. Yes, that's yeah. the other thing I was going to bring up. Caprica, you know? the series, not just the miniseries, has been greenlit. When everybody started writing last week that it was greenlighted, I thought it was already greenlighted. Well, that was just the, the pilot or the miniseries or whatever they're calling it. Oh, the okay, see, there, that's where I was confused because I thought it was the whole series that got greenlighted first time. No, from what I've read, it's, I don't know if it was 20 episodes or, but it's a full season. So Caprica is greenlit, and obviously, since this is the Galactica Quorum, we will be discussing all things Battlestar-related. Sure. People have asked what we're going to do when the series ends, and not to worry, we'll continue. And We have other ideas also about what we're going to do with the podcast and whatnot, but we will continue. We will cover Caprica. I'll reserve, <laughs> I'll reserve judgment for Caprica. I'm not entirely <laughs> positive that it's going to be uh, what I hope it's going to be, but we'll uh, we'll definitely I hope talk it's about it. better than what I think it's going to be because I'm not really keen on law dramas because I find them really boring. <laughs> well, we'll do a podcast where we discuss what we know of the Caprica miniseries or pilot, or whatever you want to call it, because there is information about it that's been out there, and it's going to be a huge spoiler for those who want to hear it. But um, we'll talk about it at some point. And I lied. I will watch it. But yes, if it turns into CSI or Law and Order Caprica. Yeah. As far as what we're doing in the immediate future, I mentioned the minicasts are coming up for the webisodes. Before the season begins, again, we're going to probably try to do another town hall where we just do one more round of everyone's opinions. We're not going to do a whole series of projections and predictions like we did last time because we're just uh, worn out from that. that. Yeah, that got really redundant. (laughs) There's been inquiries about our virtual Firefly season, and in fact, uh, let me just play a voicemail now. Hey, guys. Wanted to say love what you guys have been doing. Uh, Fantastic interview. Uh, But I'm kind of curious. I remember that you guys were talking about doing some Firefly stuff and also talking about other other big-name shows like maybe Doctor Who or uh, Dollhouse that's coming out. I was just kind of curious... if you guys are still thinking about doing that and or when you would because I'm uh I finally have gotten into checking out Firefly and I have to say love it (laughs) absolutely just can't even imagine why the hell they took it off except for I'm now watching it for the first damn time so I'm thinking scheduling or something else but I don't know but it was awesome All right, guys uh, keep the good work thanks again Here's the thing with Firefly, and I know I feel really bad because we've been saying we've been going to do this for a long, long time. My intention truly was that we were going to do it in this time period now, like December, January, and February, because I was under the impression that Battlestar was not coming back until March or April. So that looks like we're not going to have time to do it, but we have it and we're watching it. And what we're going to do is we're just going to bank some episodes for when this Battlestar is over, and then we're going to do it after that. That's 
pretty much it. Really? Um, we could probably squeeze it in between. Uh, I think it'd be best if we did continuity of... We could make Brian do two episodes a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we'll get to it. I, I apologize. It's, it was my intention to do it that way, but it just didn't work out this time. So, Basically, we're saying we have all the uh, commitment of Fox schedulers. <laughs> Basically. Let's put it here. No, let's do it here. No, let's do let's it here. Let's put it in the wrong order. That would yeah. be funny. Yeah, we should. We should oh, do a virtual yeah. season where we just we randomly. We should do it. No, we should do it in the order that Fox played them. <sighs> <laughs> so then everybody goes, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Did I miss an episode? Dumbasses. <laughs> I said it. That's right. Dumbasses. Okay, so I mentioned before, <laughs> so I mentioned before that there's a Battlestar auction that's coming up next month, and it's being handled by PropWorks, and their website is battlestarprops.com. You can now download uh, the catalog of what they're auctioning, and it's pretty much uh, everything. Anything from the set, any costume, lots of design documents, it's really all-encompassing inventory of all things from the set, from the show. It's really impressive. You just have to check it out. I was going to say we should just put a thing on our site to donate to us so we can actually just buy the Raptor. That'd be awesome. And we'll just start doing podcasts from the Raptor. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I talked to Alec Peters, who is running this auction, and you'll have that interview in just a second. And I did bring up the Raptor. And they're selling the Raptor. I think it's going for the one that's all decked out. It's probably their most expensive item. <laughs> We're talking... I think sixty, eighty thousand dollars. That's but starting bid. Just imagine how cool it would be just to yeah, we could do our podcast in the rafter. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I would love it. So I'll provide the links in the show notes to all of the information for the Battlestar auction. Again, it's battlestarprops.com. I'll play the interview now and we come back. We'll mention some of the other uh, shows that are keeping us entertained these days after the interview, but here it is now. Okay, so we're talking with Alec Peters from PropWorks. Now, tell us about the auction. I mean, it's coming up in about a month. I've seen the PDF you have online, and it's huge. It's just, it's crazy. I didn't think you would have this much material. Yeah, it came out to, uh, well, the auction isn't particularly large. It's 800 items. Is, you know, it's a nice auction. The Christie Star Trek auction was 1,000 items. I think you'll see a lot of collectibles auctions in the 1,000 to 1,200 range. So 800 isn't particularly large. But the catalog is 300 and, oh, I think it's around 312 pages. When also, that we just finished the proofs yesterday and sent them back to the printers. And it's beautiful. I, I mean, we're, I'm really happy with the job that our uh, layout design team did. What we tried to do is not just make it a catalog of items, but really tried to help tell the story about how the show was made. And that's why in front of each section, there's an interview with a department head, the art director, the prop master, the costume designer. And uh, start to give it a little more flavor and give the catalog a little more meaning besides here's a bunch of stuff. I think that's going to be a collector's item in itself. I mean, it looks, from what I've seen so far, just online, it looks beautiful. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah, we've gotten nothing but rave reviews. Everyone loves it. You know, for our auction catalog, auction catalogs usually cost uh, 50 bucks. Price stars at only 35 and I believe you'll be able to get a discount if you buy it uh, through a link on sci-fi.com. We try and make it reasonable, and it is. A, we can't wait to get our hands on them because they are be- they are really beautiful. We had 
our friends Joseph Phillip from Austria and his girlfriend Anna. He was our, our photographer and also our layout designer, and they have done all the work on this catalog. He is a passionate Battlestar fan, really lobbied me for the opportunity to do the catalog, and they have knocked it out of the park, and we're really happy with it. So, yeah, it will, I think in and of itself it will be a great collector's item. It's something every Battlestar fan needs to have, I think. So about the auction itself, it's been in the works for some time. I think you first emailed me back in the early fall that this was going to happen, and obviously you've been working on it for some time. How did it come about? Did you approach sci-fi, or how did it happen? I'm actually uh, good friends with Richard Hatch, who played Tom Zarek on Battlestar Galactica, and of course was the original Apollo. And when Battlestar was coming earlier this year, as I knew it was coming to an end, I said, hey, Richard, find out who's in charge of selling all the assets for the show. So he got me in touch with Ron French, the line producer, who then put me in touch with Kurt Ford at Universal Studios. And I was able to pitch them. They had uh, two other established companies, the one that's doing the Star Trek auctions and uh, another one of their big, uh, a big prop company who they've done business with. And I was able to beat them both out. And it was, it was just because of my passion for the show and my understanding of e-commerce. My, I'm, an, uh, I'm an entrepreneur and uh, I built a, one of eBay's big partners for sales automation, so I really understand the whole auction and online auction piece. Yeah, so it was just a, a matter of uh, pitching them and showing them I could do the job. And how's it going to work? You mentioned e-commerce and the online component of it. So you be able to bid online, and how does, it work? How does that work? Yes, there's a, a link on our website. Uh, it'll be, I think it's active Monday. But you'll see a big button on our website. It'll say, you know, register for the auction or view the online catalog, and you'll be able to go and see. And we are, we're partnered with Auction Network, who is the best in the business on, on handling the online portion. They're, they're fantastic. It's a really easy system to use. You'll be able to watch the whole auction online. It's really like a televised production. It's like you're watching TV. Uh, they have a full-on HD television production unit coming out to the auction. So the online experience is going to be really, really cool. And getting all the props together and just assembling them must have been a huge task. Did you actually see the set being struck and having things created away? Yes, we did. Yes, we were up there before any of the sets struck. And uh, we got to see the sets, get our photos taken on the sets, uh, which was a lot of fun. And then we were there when they were tearing them down, which was kind of sad. It was not quite as much fun to work up there once all the sets were gone, I will say that. Um, but it was an awesome experience to be able to, to be on the hangar base set and uh, be on the CIC set. And uh, and then, frankly, you'd be able to say, I want, all, I want this and I want this and I want this and, and go out to those sets and pick and choose and then have, you know, the construction department deliver to our stage everything that they just pulled off of uh, the CIC or the hangar deck or whatever. So, uh, And there were sets we were going in. They were finished with sets that we were going in and pulling stuff off the walls and you know, I, I think the thing is, we are all, the three of us here that are full-time employees at, at PropWorks right now, are huge Battlestar fans ourselves. Joe Bodwin, my uh, assistant, runs the Battlestar Wikipedia and, and knows about as much as the minutia of Battlestar Galactica as anyone. So we really respect this show and have a lot of, uh, you know, we're, we're fans, we're geeks ourselves. So it was fun to go in and say, oh, fans are going to love this, or we need to get this piece from this set, or you go into the hangar bay and just start going, okay, we need to take this and this and this. And it was fun to do that because we felt we were preserving the show. Even though the sets were being struck, we were the ones making sure that the show was preserved, the, the assets. So is there any criteria about deciding what gets auctioned, or was there anything that was rejected as being too obscure? I think things were rejected when they were 
either obscure or here, here's a good example, which may, some people may cringe at. But you know, Adama had all those books in his office, right, in his living quarters. Oh, there's books all. There must have been 300 books all over the place. Well, they were all just regular used books that were pretty boring, and none of them had their corners cut off of them. And we just looked at that and said, this just isn't really interesting. Yeah, people would probably like it, but it's just, it's, it's a normal everyday item. You can go and pick up at the bookstore just because it, it was laying on the floor in the Dallas quarters. Does that make it really cool? And, and we got rid of all those books. Well, we didn't. The, the set deck people did. We didn't take them because we just didn't feel there was much meaning to them as a prop. Now, anything that had a cut corner and anything that was, uh, there were a lot of um, interesting books in this quarter, props that were made, you know, one was called Caprica of the Early Years, I think that's in the auction. Those we absolutely took. There were a bunch of fake books that we took that were basically, you know, like you know, things you see in, in a, a shelving stuff, or so to speak. We took a lot of that. So it was important, uh, you know, a lot of times Galactica had this very terrestrial, everyday feel, and there was a lot of stuff that just wasn't, that looks great on screen, but just wasn't that interesting when you, you go, oh, yeah, I can buy this at Linens and Things or at, at Ikea. So those things we didn't take. But anything that was recognizable, we took. I don't think anyone's going to say, hey, do you have X? And we won't have it. Uh, we pretty much have it all. And you say it's, quote, only 800 pieces, but just going through the catalog, like if you go through the costumes, you see just almost every iteration of a character, whether it's their battle dress uniform or their dress uniform or like various sixes outfits, like the six dress of the miniseries. I mean, that <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people would love that as a, a collector's piece. Not only that, but it seems that you got a lot of design material as well, like uh pieces that were used as uh, blueprints for the set and things like that. Oh, yeah. We have a ton of that. Yeah, we do. And that's, I love that stuff. Uh, I'm big into production art, into design sketches. All that stuff looks awesome. A huge fan of that. And, and it's, uh, that's the one area that I take care of is the production art. Whereas Joe and Steven take care of all the costumes and props and everything, uh, I really love the production art and have a, so take a special interest in that. And, uh, you know, the title of this auction, which is the first of two, we will have a second auction at the end of the season. And the title of this auction is Creating Legend. And so that's why we have all the department heads talking about it in the catalog, and they will be there at the event. That's why all the production art in there, we're really trying to focus on that. One of the cool items that I see in there, and I don't even call it an item, it's a ship. It's one of the Viper. In fact, the Viper's there, the Raptor is there. I guess my question is, who is going to, I'm sure there's somebody, but who's going to buy a Raptor? And is it just one Raptor? Are there any inventory of extra Vipers that they're keeping in storage somewhere? I mean, did you yeah, so, plunder the whole so, inventory? Yeah, we did. There was, uh, there was actually a backup Raptor nose section but it was just something you see like in the background that they wouldn't add CGI to or something. Uh, and that was crap. So we got rid of that. <laughs> there are basically six ships that were salvaged, that were saved. And it was the Raptor, which is the Hero Raptor, which is what you see all the time. The Cylon Raider, the Viper Mark Seven. There were two Viper Mark Twos and uh, the Blackbird. So that's six ships. We have already sold the background Viper, which had no interior, did not have a cockpit. But it was still a really cool piece. We actually sold that to a collector in Europe. He was all excited about it. He has a big warehouse to store it in, and he may even take it on tour to different uh, shows in Europe. So we're, uh, it, it found a very good home. He was a very well-known collector. We were very happy. He was a total gentleman, and we really enjoyed selling it to him. The other five, you see three of them in this auction, the Blackbird and the Mark II, 
uh, Viper, the Hero Viper with the Hero, will be in the second auction. I've always wondered uh, just how many they have on set, because a lot of that times they, they do tricks with a the lot camera. Of CGI. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the CGI. The Raptor is just a, a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of uh, engineering. It, it is spectacular. It is the best ship. And uh, we all hope it goes to the Sci-Fi Museum. We hope Paul Allen buys it, because uh, we, it's something that everyone, it needs to be on display somewhere. If I had to pick one, I would probably pick the Raptor, just because uh, you could fit people in it and sit down and chill out. <laughs> yeah. That, that seems like the best thing to do. Just some other items that, it, I mean, there's just so many things. There's the Gata Butterfingers pen. There's, like you said, any item you say, is that in there? It seems like it is. And this one caught my eye, too, the door to the CIC with the glass. I don't know how I would fit that into my house, but if I could somehow end up with that, I would love that. That's amazing, too. Yeah, it is. It is. The doors are really cool. They're interesting, and uh, we salvaged about a dozen of them, I think. I think there were like 30 of them. And we, you know, once you got to the plain door, I mean, they're heavy as heck. There are some one-sided doors which aren't that heavy. There are a lot of two-sided doors with big metal interior frames, and they, they were they're just heavy. So we tried to take the, all the doors that were important: the CIC doors, the executive officer's door, Adama's door. But uh, they're also, you know, just we couldn't save them all. It would have taken a trailer just for them. But, uh, yeah, they're cool, and I think some lucky collectors are going to snatch those up and find a way to fit them into their house, and, uh, yeah, they're cool. <laughs> so for the fan that would love to have some of these pieces but they just can't afford them, what advice do you have for prop collecting or just for finding BSG material so that they could have some piece of the show? So I guess the first is to know what your budget is. If your budget is below $500, you're probably going to want to wait for the Internet auctions because probably not much in the catalog is going under $500. So the Internet auctions will actually have an auction on Monday after the two days of the live auction. There'll be 200 items on Monday on eBay. And we kind of call that our loser's auction. Like if you didn't get anything on the weekend, we're going to put inexpensive items on eBay on Monday, and hopefully collectors will be able to pick something up for a few hundred dollars, you know. And there's a lot of cool stuff that we're going to have on there that people will go, oh, yeah, it would be cool to have. And then we start the weekly Internet auctions, and there's going to be at least 100 items every week for 10 weeks. Hmm. So the idea there is there's going to be a mixture of more expensive items with a lot of inexpensive items. And we hope that there's enough inexpensive items that people will be able to take a piece home with them. Because even if you just have, you know, say a book from Admiral Kane's quarters in Pegasus, she was big on books. We saw, remember when you saw her quarters, there were stacks of books all over the place. Well, we got a bunch of those. <laughs> so that's something someone can probably pick up for a couple hundred bucks, you know, and it's cool. It's got the Pegasus logo on, on the cover and on the spine. And it says things like, Dratus alignments or engineering protocols and stuff. So it's kind of cool. It's not a real book. Inside it's like a phone book or something or a textbook, but uh, they're really cool and they look would look cool on your shelf. And so you could get something for a couple hundred bucks. So things like that. Joe and I really try to pay attention when we're up, up there. What can we get a lot of that we can sell inexpensively? That's a concern for us. You know, we want to make sure we have things for people. Well, if someone did have the money, I want to praise you for the collection you've put together because I think you could buy the whole thing and start a new show. <laughs> it seems like you have so much stuff. I was going to ask you if what you have in your personal collection, I understand you're a Trek collector. Do you have a lot of props that you have collected over the years? Yeah, I'm a huge Star Trek collector, and uh, I started collecting at the Christie Star Trek auction two years ago, and since then have collected um, a pretty significant collection of Star Trek uh, props and costumes. I-, I tend to be a costume collector more than anything, just 
because it's I don't know. For me, a costume is the most recognizable thing on a show. And so uh, I am fortunate to have one of each of the captain's costumes from the Star Trek. I have a Captain Kirk. I have a Picard. Uh, I have a Cisco, a Janeway, and uh, an Archer. And that's the pride of my collection. And then I've got, I'm a big Deep Space Nine fan, so I've got one of every alien race. I've got, I'm a big dog costumes. One of my favorite character on that show. Um, I got a great Garrick costume because he's my all-time favorite Star Trek character. So uh, yeah, so I, I uh, and they're all on display in my house. So uh, I'm a geek. <laughs> well, that's cool. As far as your auction goes, I'm looking out for the uh, first season clamshell blaster because that's that's my favorite gun. I have some replicas that are uh, pretty good, but man, I'd sure love to have one of those. Yeah, they're really nice guns, and there are a couple in this auction, and there will be uh, a couple others for sale, too. Definitely something, uh, they're, they're nice. Although we have, there's very few of the rubber season one clamshell blasters. Most of the clamshell blasters are miniseries style, without the, the extra detailing on the side. Hmm. That's when they were made for it. But either way, it's a cool gun. It's a very cool gun. Yeah. Well, thank you for talking with us. We'll be sure to check back in a month, and we'll uh, keep people appraised of what's going on with the Internet auctions and everything else. Great. And, yeah, they can see get all the information they want at, at www.battlestarprops.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today. Hey, thank you very much, Brian. Again, thanks to Alec Peters, and that auction is happening the same weekend as the premiere of Battlestar coming back. Uh, you can go online and register, and there will be other auctions happening throughout the season. So there is stuff for you to check out. You definitely want to at least look at the the PDF of what's available because it is really cool. It just the, yeah. s- the scope of what they have. And in, I think that itself is something I want to have because it's a really, really cool piece of memorabilia to have. I got to give credit to the prop people on Battlestar Galactica because they really put the effort into those props. Like, they don't just have some random book sitting on set. They actually have a full version of the Book of Pythia, totally written. When you consider how much work they did, even before the miniseries, like getting the CIC just right and all the ships and everything, there's a lot of work that went into that. And they modified props and costumes over time, like the Viper pilot helmet changed a little bit, and obviously they started changing the, the handguns and things like that. But the overall design was just so there from the start. It just... They did a great, great job with production design. Okay, so let's see. Now, as far as some of the shows that are on the air right now, I have to say I've, I don't know if I've given up on Heroes, but I don't know if I'm going to be catching up anytime soon. And frankly, I feel like we've devoted a lot of time to that show on our podcast, and I just don't know if it's that big of a... I think there might be other shows that merit more time, but uh, I was talking with our friend Byrne, and he was saying that we might just do something where we have a segment for people that love to hate heroes, where they can just call in with a rant on our voicemail line. We'll just play them without commentary, and you can get it out of your system. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think that'd be kind of a cool idea. Heroes, the interesting thing is, is I don't think anything that we've said about heroes isn't now just the mainstream thoughts about it. Really, their jump the shark moment was when they allowed Entertainment Weekly to come in to do a cover story, and then the cover story just ripped them apart with what everyone who's watching the show has been saying. Plus, their attempts at saving it basically, again, involve canceling Pushing Daisies so, so they can get Brian Fuller back. I'm not saying that's exactly it, but... I don't think there's anything new we could say about it that we haven't already said. Right. So there's no point in saying over and over again the same stuff. It's like trying to train a dog that just won't listen. You know the complaints. The complaints have been the same since the season two started. 
Granted, maybe firing those two people will help because their exit interviews, they basically said, we still don't think we've been doing anything wrong, which explains a lot. But they also stated that these two people they fired were around enough that most of what they've done for the Springs already in the can. So no improvements will be made until next fall. Mm -hmm. By that time, it will be too late. And once you've lost a Parsec award-winning podcast, I just don't know how you recover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is another good podcast. If you are a Heroes fan, uh, we do recommend the Heroes Cast. You can check it out at heroescast.com. So if you want a podcast that is devoted to the show uh, and gives it all the scrutiny and analysis, be sure to check them out. I think they do a good job, too, because they're not sitting there praising it at all times. That's what you want. Um, Well, yeah. I mean, they're giving you their opinion from even if they don't like the episode or even if there's characters they don't like, they'll tell you. They let their fans come in and voice their opinion of the fact that they hate Mohinder. (laughs) I like their podcast. I just want to plug the I Should Be Writing podcast. I want to thank Mer Lafferty for playing our promo on her podcast. She does a podcast for wannabe fiction writers by a now published author. Do you like to write? Or have you always wanted to write, but decided that your job, your house, your family, your pets, your political affiliations, your volunteer work, your hobbies, your church... And that ache in your pinky you get on days ending in Y slow you down. Many professional writers have families. Many professional writers keep their day job. Many professional writers live their lives just like we do. Only, they write, too. Like you should be doing. I Should Be Writing is the award-winning podcast that explores issues wannabe writers come up against every day. Everything from characterization to just the difficulty in getting on a writing schedule. And because I, your host, am a writer who's still learning, we do a rundown of my progress as well. This is not a do-as-I-say, not-as-I-do type of show. I'm there in the trenches with you. Visit IShouldBeWriting.com to subscribe to this free podcast and download past episodes. Because you should be writing. I also recommend going and listening to some of her books. Definitely. Because they're just fantastic. Playing for Keeps. And I think, what was the one I listened to? Heaven and Hell. And I listened to Heaven. Really good. Yeah. The podcasting of novels is kind of a new thing. And this is something we talked about when we were Dragon Con. And Murr is a Parsec Award winner, just like us. And it's sort of a new thing that's emerging. There's a lot of talent out there. And... People, they are embracing this new medium and they're using it to highlight and uh, show their work. And there are lots, like I said, there's lots of talented people out there. Murr is one of them. T. Morris is another. Scott Sigler is another. Check them out. You won't be sorry. So what other shows are you guys into these days? Uh, let me think. Uh, Atlantis, but you guys never watched that. So Is that still running? Uh, yeah, this is the final season. Oh, okay. It's getting close to the end. I wish we had done a Stargate podcast back in the day. Oh, well. Big Bang Theory's on a break, right? There's actually a new episode left. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's heading in its winter break, and it's just a fantastic show. They added Sarah Rue as the yeah. love interest. Just just perfect. What else was she on? Uh, almost perfect. ABC comedy. I've been watching Pushing Daisies, but there's no point in talking about that either. It sounds like what they're going to do with Pushing Daisies is they're going to end the show, which they said they last filmed an episode, they had a little bit of a cliffhanger to it. But what they're going to do is 
try to find some way of resolving the storyline either through comics or graphic novels or something like that. What? Yeah. Yeah, they lost me on that. Interesting. It'd be better if they it's a good show. chopped it to another network or did something Maybe the uh, CW online. can pick them up. <laughs> yeah, AB, it kills me. ABC's like buying off everybody else cast off. Can't someone kind of do a one-up on ABC and take Pushing Daisies from them? Yeah. Here's my question. What is sci-fi going to do once Stargate is gone? And BSG. And BSG. And to They're be honest... They're going to lose so many viewers. Right. And from what I can also tell, any good BBC sci-fi show is now just being held by BBC America mm-hmm. instead of being farmed out to other U.S. interests. Which, by so. the way, they announced the new Doctor on Doctor Who. <coughs> Which he, one is it? I don't remember his name. Is it Jack something? Or no? He was on a couple previous episodes of Doctor Who. And I, for the life of me, don't remember his character. But I will put a link up on the site so everybody can see who the new Doctor is. Because we'll miss David. There's no good sci-fi anymore. What the hell? It doesn't have mass market appeal. That's what Sci-Fi Channel is for, but they got rid of Stargate SG-1. Now they're getting rid of Atlantis. Well, and let's also be honest, as weird, and I'm so tired of talking about this in my real job, too. I think sci-fi shows are just so expensive to produce. That's what Vancouver's for. That you're just not going to get a lot right now. It sucks. It's easier to do reality. You're going to You know what? I would expect a lot more of things like Ghost Hunters to come up. Love you know? that show. Not saying that's not a good show, but I would expect a lot of copycat things to come on. Real ghost, real paranormal, real sci-fi kind of things. There's already two shows out there that You know what? The fact that there's already two shows out there has never stopped Hollywood. There's been a couple like uh the Family Channel's had one as well, and Travel Channel has had a couple. You know I what I would look good. You know what I would look for someone like Sci-Fi Channel to do also? I would expect a lot of old sci-fi shows to be rerun again. No. I don't know. I mean, just, we haven't heard of anything in the outside of Caprica in the hopper. Yeah, but even that, I don't consider that one really a sci-fi show. Right. That's why they greenlit it, probably, because the budget's probably just... Right. It doesn't yeah. probably not be a lot of CGI, stuff like that. Sorry, the budget's going to have an impact. Yeah. How about a lot more coverage of uh, sci-fi conventions? Because it's just sending cameras out to film real people. Speaking of conventions, there was one in, I think it was London Wait, this past weekend. Star Fury? Battlestar Star Fury. Yeah. Saw some pictures of that on Facebook, and that would have been fun to go to. It had James Callis and um, Admiral Kane and um, Celix and Nikki Klein. You mean Michelle Forbes? Michelle Forbes, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, that, whatever comes first to me, actor's name or character <laughs> name. She was on True Blood. Oh, and uh, Anna, um, she was on Mark Shepard was there. Trucks. Um, I would like to go to one of the conventions in the UK. I really would. I think it'd be fun. Speaking of conventions, it's not too early to start planning for Dragon Con. All right. What, do you work for Dragon Con now? No, I just <laughs> we had so much fun last time. I'd like to meet some of our listeners there next time. And, I would, too. Uh, so, I mean, we're going back again. I have my pass. Michelle's got hers. Yup. So, we're set. I love Dragon Con. Looking forward to it. That was a good time. <laughs> Why are you scooting away from me? <laughs> A little too much excitement in that one. Are you going to make Ted dress up this year? Oh, speaking of dressing Probably. up, wait a minute. You lost a bet. I know. You have to wear the Leia bikini. What bet did I lose? You told me that if I had the guts to wear tape? the bikini. Yeah, we do have it on tape. If I had the guts, you would wear it. Though I don't think I want to see it now. I do. <laughs> okay. As soon as Heroes gets good again, I'll wear it. Oh. No, no, I'm no, kidding. You can't. Well, one, you can't do that in the office. 
Duh. So it'll have to be one of those days we go where Brian's to watch a movie or play games. Okay. Oh, we could talk about Xbox games. Like what? Well, let's see. Uh, there's Fable 2, Fallout 3, Mirror's Edge. You saw the demo for that. Yeah, Mirror's Edge, I can see that being fun, but I don't like games where you have to hit in a certain sequence at a certain time or basically game over. So basically, you don't like games that require skill. No. <laughs> it's not skill. It's, <laughs> to say, that, it's like that, a big jumping puzzle to that's me. That's every yeah. game. That's no. a sports game. Like you have to jump across a ledge, and if you don't hit tap, tap, button this, then you miss and you fall down. Yeah. With a first-person shooter, you can strafe around. There's like a margin of error where you don't have yeah. to like absolutely hit something. Okay. Guitar Hero. If you don't hit this button exactly in this sequence, you don't do it right. Madden. Yeah, but it doesn't kill you, though. Madden. If you don't hit this right. button exactly right, it doesn't work. I mean, every game is hitting buttons. But it's a level the of... The video of game the is based on hitting buttons in a certain sequence. <laughs> it's a level of the penalty you get for not getting yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Because the penalty is you just lost a life and you have to start over from like 15 seconds or whatever, whatever your last save point was. Whereas with Guitar Hero, if you miss a note, it's more like it makes a sound and yeah, your little meter goes down a little bit, but the game doesn't fail that second. Well, eventually it will fail you. It will fail eventually, but <laughs> I think we're uh, done with this episode. We no. will, again, be uh, coming back to you pretty soon because of the minicast coming up. Just want to remind you that our voicemail is 206-350-6756. Please give us a call. Let us know what you're playing, what you're watching, what your theories on Battlestar are, what you think of the webisode, or write us an email at gcorum at gmail.com. The jump clock is running. We'll see you next time. Bye. How sensitive are these microphones? Like, if I have to really breathe heavy, should I turn my face? The reason I'm using these is because they're they're not as sensitive as... Oh, okay. What about Jason breathing into his microphone? Yeah, I'm breathing. <laughs> he can't breathe through his nose. <laughs> <laughs> it's an experiment. It will now be the sexiest episode ever <laughs> of Galactica Quorum. <laughs> Heavy breathing Galactica Quorum. <laughs> well, Katie Sackhoff looked really good. Hi, this is Michelle. How are you? <laughs> Should be on Showtime. Welcome to the Galactica Quorum. Okay, anyways. Okay, it's pretty good, actually. <laughs>